In this episode of Two-Eyed Seeing, we're going to be talking all about stress, because this is huge for all of us, almost all the time, but especially right now. So stay tuned. Hello, Sago, and welcome. You're listening to Two-Eyed Seeing, bridging the Western and Indigenous understanding of health, healing, and life. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Connors, naturopathic doctor and birth doula and knowledge seeker of Mohawk and European ancestry. Each week, I will be bringing you information about health and wellness from both perspectives so we can learn and grow together as we journey through life on this place we call Earth and Turtle Island. Hello, hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Two-Eyed Seeing. As I mentioned in the intro, we are going to be talking all about stress today. As I mentioned, we know that stress is something that we all deal with on an ongoing basis, that we all have different times in our life when stress is higher, stress is lower, but it's something we deal with every single day. And especially in the climate that we're currently in, still being dealing with the pandemic, I've noticed for myself and for the patients that I treat that stress is even bigger of an issue than it has been in the past. And it's not to say that it hasn't hasn't been an issue in the past, but I'm just noticing that it's even bigger and an even bigger hurdle at times. So I wanted to touch on this to help us kind of understand what do we mean by stress? What's going on in our bodies when we're experiencing stress? And what are the, some of the simple strategies that we can use to help us to better handle our stress? Because when we look at stress, it's one of those things that we all kind of recognize and acknowledge and can see. But at the same time, we almost dismiss it at the same time. And what I mean by that is, you know, we talk about how impactful it is. We recognize how much stress, especially too much stress, can have a negative impact on our health. But when we try to have that conversation with ourselves, with our healthcare providers, with others, it's also kind of seen as, oh, yeah, 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 it's stress, whatever. And it's not given its full due, I feel, in terms of the impact that it has on our health uh, as a whole and and how that impact can compound over time, especially when we're not really taking the time to look at it, to deal with it, to find better ways to manage it so that it doesn't get to the point of overwhelm and anxiety and burnout which is another really big thing that we tend to see, unfortunately, more and more of that these days because we're constantly living in this environment of stress, especially in North America, although I would argue in most of the world, we've really adopted this culture of hustle, hustle, and we have to be productive at all times. And rest and and the impact that rest has and taking a break in terms of increasing productivity is not really talked about, not really acknowledged and almost ignored to the detriment of our health and really our our health as a, as a collective as well. Because being on and productive every single minute of the day is going to, again, take its toll, especially in the long term, right? So we need to start to think about how we can move away this 
from this idea that we need to be productive 100% of the time in terms of the only definition of productivity being that we're doing something with our time. And this idea that uh, play and uh, quote-unquote doing nothing for a period of time isn't productive in its own way. Uh, I've mentioned before on a Facebook Live that I've done, um, there's lots of other people out there, this is not unique to me, but I really like this idea of where rest is actually what is sharpening our capacity. So there was, um, it, it's a well, well told story, but most recently I heard Simon Sinek uh, say it uh, in a version that he told on, I believe it, his, it was his uh, Instagram page, and he shared the story of two lumberjacks. And we have two lumberjacks that go out into the woods and they cut down trees. And they do this from in the morning to the afternoon. They start at the same time. They end at the same time. They have the same total amount of time to be in the forest, cutting down trees and preparing lumber or wood. The one lumberjack goes from when he gets there until he finishes at the end of the day and takes almost no time in between there to take a break and rest. The other lumberjack actually leaves for a period of time and then comes back. And somehow by the end of the day, the second lumberjack who disappears at some point and then comes back during the day ends up cutting more wood and preparing more lumber than the first lumberjack who's going all day long with almost no break in between. And eventually, the first lumberjack turns to the second lumberjack and says, you know, you disappear for like an hour or so every day. And you and I start at the same time, we finish at the same time, and you take this big break. Where do you go? How is it possible that you take this long break and you end up producing more lumber than I do? And the second lumberjack looks a little puzzled and he says, well, I, I go and I sharpen my axe and then I come back and I start again. So it's this idea of sharpening our axe. So the fact that he takes a break and sharpens his blade means that he comes back fresh with a sharper blade and he's able to get through the trees more easily. Whereas lumberjack number one, he's continually working with the same blade and it's getting duller and duller and therefore not as efficient at chopping down the wood with all the strokes that he gives. So this is a really good comparison, I feel, in terms of how we tend to look at stress and productivity and rest. What if we started to look at rest as this thing that's actually allowing us to be more productive. And there's all kinds of research and um, books written and all this kind of stuff on productivity and how actually when we take breaks and we rest, that's what actually significantly increases our productivity. And companies that have started to embrace, um, you know, the four day work week or things like that, to modify, they're finding that people are just as productive, if not more productive, in that time frame. And then the really smart companies are maintaining their um, their level of pay, even though it's a four-day work week. 
and they're finding that the overall culture, the overall uh, productivity of the company as a whole, the objectives that they're meeting are much um, much the same or better than prior to making that change. So these are things that we can start to talk about and think about when we're talking about stress, right? Because rest and this chase of productivity also factors into that in a big way. So the other thing we want to be thinking about is what's going on in our body when we're experiencing stress and we're feeling really stressed. So there, a certain amount of stress is a good thing. So we often term this as you stress or um, good stress is another term that sometimes will be used. So that there is a certain amount of that that we need because naturally what our body does in the course of the day is when we wake up, our cortisol levels, which is our kind of our main stress hormone, increases slightly to help us wake up and get up and get going. It's almost like if you think of a car where you have to um, give it a bit of a jump start, right? That's kind of our body's way of jump starting our body for the day and getting the engine running, so to speak. So a little bit of cortisol increasing in the morning is a good thing because it's getting us going. But what ends up happening when we're continuously under stress and really the interesting thing with stress is a lot of it comes down to our perception of stress because each person perceives a situation differently so two people could see the exact same situation completely differently and one person perceives it as extremely stressful and because they see it that way, their body increases their cortisol and the second person sees it as moderately or not really that stressful, so their body responds accordingly. So there's some really interesting stuff we can potentially get into in terms of how the mind works and how that interacts with our adrenal glands and our cortisol curve and all these kinds of things. But we'll leave that aside for a second and just talk about the physiology a little bit more. So when you're under supreme stress, the cortisol levels continue to go up. And what happens is instead of having this ebb and flow, which is what we would normally see and want to see, is it's consistently high and it stays high. And the body can maintain a certain amount of stress for a certain amount of time. But eventually, per, if it's maintained for too long, then what happens is the body starts to break down and we start to head into things like overwhelm and anxiety and eventually burnout. And that's where we don't want to go because when we head to burnout and we feel completely toasted, then what ends up happening is it takes way longer to be able to recover and recuperate the body back from the point of burnout. I've seen this and, and I've heard this from other people. It can take several months to sometimes even a year or more in certain situations. It really depends on the person's body and, and how severe they've allowed the burnout to, to get to. But it can take quite an extended period of time to recover when we get to that extent of things. And this is when the cortisol is staying too too high for too long and then all the associated changes that are happening in the body in response to that so this is what's happening in the body and you know when we used to be back in the caveman days when we were running away from threats like a saber-toothed tiger this was a good thing when our body would go from 
um, being rested to fight flight and we had the opportunity to either fight for our lives or run away. That was a normal response. And so all these things that are happening in the body in terms of revving up our energy, changing the direction of where the blood is pumping to, so it's going more to the muscles than the digestive system, all these other things that are happening in response to a stressor, that was a good thing. But what ends up happening now, and if we want to really focus on, on our current situation, is we're feeling and perceiving heightened anxiety, heightened stress, and we can't go anywhere. I would often use the example of having a, a boss that you don't get along with in my presentations when I would give present when I give presentations um, in in the past, and it doesn't really matter whether it's a boss or a spouse or any other situation. The outcome is still the same, but I would often talk about that in comparison to say your saber-toothed tiger or your tiger example that is a perceivable threat that you can run away from or get away from a difficult boss is not necessarily something you can run away from all the time unless you're able to get out of that job and get into a different job but what happens in that situation where you either by choice or don't have a choice and you're stuck in that situation you can't run away and you can't fight so then this state of heightened stress and preparedness to run or defend yourself stays with you and you have no way of expelling it and processing it through your body. And this is where that really big problem comes from perceived stressors and stressful situations because your body is responding the same way in terms of all the physiologic physiological changes that are happening whether you're running from a tiger or whether you're attempting to run away from a difficult boss and these are the things that we have to start to think through and figure out how can we approach this a little bit differently how can we do this in a way that actually helps us in the long term and this is where we can start to really talk about what are some strategies and some practical things that we can do to help us in this kind of situation. And we've kind of talked about it a little bit already, but one of the big ones is prioritizing rest times. Having the opportunity to turn off from your computer, cut off from work, do these things where you have a, a, a clear boundary between where you're working and you're having these stressful events and being able to step away from them and have a difference. And whether that's getting out for a walk, which also has its own associated benefits because that helps to reduce feelings of stress because it's helping you to process through that, um, that cortisol because you're able to move it. You're able to do something to expend that pent-up energy and it helps to bring your cortisol down. If you're able to go out in nature, whether you're going for a walk or whether you're just able to sit in around nature. So meditation is another really good example. In or out of nature is a really good strategy. And it doesn't have to be sitting on a cushion in the lotus position for an hour. We've actually seen from the research that even as little as 5 to 10 minutes of deep breathing, focusing on the breath, trying to tune out as many other um, in inputs as you can, can have a beneficial effect on the body and the brain. And we've seen that lower uh, blood pressure rates, we've seen that lower cortisol rates, we've seen it have all these really wonderful 
benefits in terms of helping to bring stress down, right? Getting enough sleep, and we could go off on a whole nother, and probably will at some point in the near future, we'll have a, a podcast on on sleep on its own because of just how important sleep is. But, um, you know, getting enough sleep, making sure that you're prioritizing your sleep every night and getting at least seven hours. Um, and that's really what, I mean, there's, there's lots of people that will put forward that, you know, you can get by on less than seven. Some people function perfectly well with less than seven. I feel that seven is kind of that lower beneficial limit based on the information I've looked at so far. But um, for some of us, it's actually eight. Some people, it's actually nine. So definitely experiment and listen to what your body's telling you in terms of what feels like enough sleep. Because if you're missing out on sleep or you're not getting a good quality sleep, that's going to have a really big impact on your body's ability to heal and to modulate your cortisol levels because it's not able to bring down that stress level and do the healing that it needs to do in the nighttime or sleep time for those who work shift work. You need, we need sleep. That's a very integral part of our overall health. And that can also have further impacts on our immune system. Lots of things that we've talked about uh, before and we'll likely talk about again. And there's just, it's this big spiral right? In terms of whether it goes in the right direction or the, the less healthy direction and that's not so beneficial for us. And then of course, you know, even if you feel like you can't, um, you know, sit and do things for a prolonged period of time, the quickest, most beneficial way that we can do this is to tap into our breath. And this is something I will teach almost all of my patients, especially if we're working on stress is the benefit of just taking five to 10 deep breaths and really doing that very intentionally because it literally takes you a minute, if that, um, maybe two minutes, um, if you're really being intentional about that, filling your belly, being really slow and intentional and then releasing your breath very slowly and intentionally. But we've actually seen this in terms of how the physiology reacts is with just those five to 10 deep belly breaths. So really feel, feeling like you're filling your diaphragm as full as you can and releasing as much as you can and really engaging that bottom half of your lungs and your diaphragm. It actually does activate your vagus nerve, which is a key trigger point in terms of switching from what we call the sympathetic par to the parasympathetic. So that's your fight flight is the sympathetic and the parasympathetic part of your nervous system is the rest and relax and calm down. And we can do it in that little amount of time. So you can do that when you're sitting in your car, you can do that sitting at your desk, you can do that lying in bed, you can do that almost anywhere you are if you feel the need to tap into that relaxed side of your body to really bring down that nervousness and that excitability. And there's so many other things that we can talk about in addition to that. There's a whole pile of herbs. Um, I won't go into every single one of them today because we could do a whole nother podcast probably just on the herbs. <laughs> 
for stress and helping to manage stress. But what I will touch on very briefly is the category of herbs that we typically look at in this kind of circumstance. And they're called adaptogens. So when an herb falls in the adaptogenic category of herbs, that means it helps the body to modulate and balance stress better. So some really popular ones that we see almost everywhere and get talked about in the news and, and you can find very readily information on, on the internet if you happen to Google them. I always add the caveat if you're looking at some of these and you're not familiar with herbs, make sure you talk to your naturopath, make sure you talk to your primary health care provider before you start anything. Um, I always mention that to people when I'm giving seminars, webinars, talking to people in general, just reiterating that here as well for those of you listening. Make sure you talk to someone and don't just hop in guessing because that can potentially interact with your medication. Maybe it's not the right fit for you. It's always good to have someone um, who's looking after you and helping you with that, who has the knowledge if you yourself do not possess the knowledge to pair herbs together, especially when you're pairing them together with, um, with medications as well. But uh, some of the ones that I'll mention just briefly are ones like ashwagandha, rhodiola, um, St. John's wort can be helpful sometimes. Um, St. John's wort, I will, I almost always say this because um, it is such a, a big thing for St. John's wort is this is a really good example where you want to be careful with using that if you're taking medication because unfortunately St. John's wort interacts with almost every single type of medication. So you have to be really careful about how you're implementing these things. So make sure you do talk to someone who knows what they're doing. But these are just some of the herbs that we can potentially use, whether it's in tea form, in capsule form, in tincture form. Again, talk to someone who knows how to combine these things and they can help you with putting together a really effective treatment plan that helps to bring these things down. And that way you can either, if you prefer to go completely naturally, you can go more of the herbal route or um, if you are using medication and that's working better, better or best for you, then and you want to combine it with some other options, uh, then you can always talk to someone who can help you efficiently with that. And uh, what were some other ones? Oh, um, other ones that could be looked at would be things like passion flower, um, maybe valerian, although valerian is one of those ones you want to be careful with, again, because it's also more of a sleep herb. So we often use that for helping with sleep and encouraging sleep. So like I said, there's a whole bunch of things that we could talk about as far as herbals and things like that. And there's also nutrients like magnesium that can be helpful. Um, so there's a whole bunch of other things that we could potentially get into in that, um, in that kind of track of helping to deal with stress. But I also wanted to give you some really easy practical tips that are easy to implement at home that you don't necessarily need to add in those other things. However, if your stress is getting to those really high levels and you've been dealing with this for a long time, that may be the best thing to do is to combine some of these practical hands-on strategies with the herbal support, with the nutritional support. So definitely talk to someone if you're feeling like your stress is just getting way out of control and you feel like you're not able to manage it on your own and you need that additional support. 
the one other thing I'll add is, in, you know, with talking about nutrients, is we can get a lot of that from our diet too. So if we're eating a lot of sugar, if we're eating a lot of processed foods, a lot of the time we don't even realize that that can actually increase our experience of anxiety and stress. And our body has a harder time healing and modulating things when we're continually taking in more sugar and that sort of thing. And also being more stressed can actually drive our sugar cravings. So we want more sugar. So the the two are tied together. And so eating more whole foods, uh, you know, eating the colors of the rainbow, you've heard me say that before, and just making sure that we're getting a whole nutritious diet and getting in, um, you know, all the different fruits and vegetables in our diet more in more abundance than sugars and highly processed foods is another really easy thing we can do to help with our stress and anxiety levels. So like I said, I know there's so many other directions we could go with this topic. Um, even each of the subgroupings we talked about could be talked about for a whole another, you know, 20 minutes or more. And we will get into them at different times in, in the future. But I just wanted to give you something a little bit more tangible, a little bit more practical today so that you can start to implement these things and start to see the difference for yourself because it's always important to modulate our stress, but I feel like especially in our current climate of moving through the pandemic, it's even more important than it's always been. So if you are someone who's struggling with your stress, struggling with um, you know things associated to stress like anxiety, Um, and mood dysregulation and it's starting to really build up into this big difficult challenge that's really putting all your resources to the test then I really would encourage you again make sure you talk to someone like a naturopath um, an herbalist um, if you happen to have someone in your community that you really connect with um, who's uh, an elder or, you know, whatever, whatever resource you can connect with that's going to help you with modulating this, then I really do encourage you to do that. Because if you don't decide to put yourself as a priority in terms of your health and your life, then no one else will. No one else will step up and do it for you. And I find this especially with women, especially with the moms that I work with, is we tend to put ourselves last and everybody else first. Not to say that men don't do this too, um, but it's just, I see it all the time with the women that I work with and the moms that I work with, is that we think that everyone else is more important than us. And this is an analogy I share with them all the time, is that it's really difficult, tantamount to impossible, to continue to give to your kids, to your family, to the people in your life, when your cup is either empty or tantamount to empty. We cannot give to others from an empty cup. So let's start to fill up our cup and make sure that our cup is full to overflowing because when we can give from an abundant place, then we don't feel like we're being drained. And you get to show up as a much better version of yourself when you give from a full cup. And that cup is very related to your stress and how you experience your stress and whether you're modulating it well. So I would really encourage you to think about that, to look at that and decide for yourself, is this something I need some help with? And don't be afraid to ask for that help. 
because we all need some help sometimes. And it doesn't make you weak. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It just means that you need a little bit of help. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help when you need it. So I will wrap it up there for today. As always, if you have questions about this topic, if you'd like to hear more about this topic, I've been getting some great feedback from you guys in terms of topics you'd like to hear about. So I'm doing my best to bring those to you as I get them and, uh, you know, keep that coming in. And I'll always, as I've said before, this is meant to be a resource for you. I want this to be something that you can come to and take in and do something with this information. So with that, I hope that you are all taking care of yourselves, that you really stop and think about what you need to do to prioritize your own health today and make sure that you're not leaving yourself behind. Because when you do, that stress is only going to build and build and build and become even bigger. And I don't want to see you get to the point of burnout. So be compassionate and caring towards yourself today and take care and we'll see you again soon. Mama P. Thank you, Nyawa, for listening to Two-Eyed Seeing. Leave me a comment, and if you feel called to, please leave a review in iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. If you have questions about the episode or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please reach out to me at www.sarahconnorsnd.com.